I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Sitter Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to what is, for the time being, going to be our last Friday episode. We started doing multiple episodes every week once COVID hit. We wanted to be able to tell stories in real time as things were happening, to hear how people were being impacted, to hear how the industry was responding and what things look like across the globe. We are still committed to telling those stories and as things change or as new things come up, we will definitely be adding in shows throughout the week. For right now, we'll be doing shows Monday and Wednesday. Monday will be the show with Megan and I, and on Wednesdays, we'll be having the full-length interview with pet professionals across the globe. So on today's episode, I had the immense pleasure of sitting down and having a discussion with Dr. Catherine Prim, the actually first certified fear-free pet care professional in the nation. She took time out of her busy schedule to sit down with us and share how pet sitters can take better care of cats from things like how to overcome a slightly aggressive cat to how to bond with maybe a shy cat that you're caring for. Dr. Prim breaks down some of the common misconceptions, and we even spent some time on a rapid-fire Ask a Vet segment towards the very end, which I hope you'll enjoy. Let's get started. I'm Dr. Catherine Prim. I'm a small animal veterinarian in Tennessee, and I'm also the host of a radio show podcast called Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. So I suspect that that's the reason you wanted me to join you today. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We, we're very interested in talking to you about, about cats and some of the common misconceptions around them and uh, how pet sitters can be better at taking care of them. And so um, do, do you have any pets currently? Yes, I have a cat named Scamper and a dog named Skye. I think as, as pet sitters and as the broader community and society at large, there seems to be a, a, a big misunderstanding about cats as far as their behavior and why they are the way they are. Why do you think cats are so misunderstood in those ways? Well, because cats are not like dogs. Dogs have evolved with us as human beings to, to kind of change as we change and, and grow together. But cats are basically the same species, the same animal that they were when they started. They're very closely related to their feline ancestors. So they're not, they're not animals that have sort of evolved with us to coexist. We sort of have to adapt ourselves to who they are. So if you think about a cat, a cat is both a prey animal and a predator because larger animals would prey on the cat as a smaller prey species, but then they have to hunt for their food. So you kind of have to consider how they see everything and how they see us. So a lot of pet sitters have a lot more experience with dogs. Some only have exclusive experience with dogs, and they may get a client that asks them to take care of a cat for the first time. What would be the first thing that you would recommend for a pet sitter, the first thing that they should know when caring for a cat? Cats are very different from dogs. So that's, that's the first yeah. thing they should know. <laughs> um, and I always ask my, um, when I'm giving lectures and things, have you ever had a, a friend that came over and didn't like cats or was allergic to cats, but your cat instantly sought that person out and was just mm -hmm. all over that person? And the reason for that is because the cat doesn't feel threatened by a person who's not 
approaching them or looking at them and just kind of is turning away from them, so to speak, that is very non-threatening to a cat. And so I think that's probably the best advice for someone coming into a home to care for a cat is don't push yourself on the cat. Right. Because I feel like a lot of the the complaints or comments that come out of the pet sitting world is that cats are aggressive to them. And so I know you touched on a little bit there, but could you talk a little bit more about some common causes um, that would lead to a cat being aggressive to somebody? Well, if someone is not respecting what the cat is telling them with with its body language or, um, you know, even vocalizations, but more its body language, if you don't respect the message that the cat is sending you about personal space or how it feels about you entering its space, then those are the times when confrontation occurs and a pet sitter should step away from confrontation and not continue to push because that will sort of dissolve into not where you want it to go. What are some of the common body languages that some, the pet sitter should be on the lookout for as far as aggression or when you, when you start seeing that you're uh, crossing those boundary lines of that cat space? Well, um, cats typically like to hide from things that are, that are fearful to them or fear-inducing for them. So if a pet sitter comes into a home and a cat is hiding, and the pet sitter drags the cat out, for example, that would be not respecting that cat's language of, hey, I don't feel comfortable with you. I'm going to hide. If you escalate dilated pupils, pinned ears, growling, hissing, those are all signs that things are escalating in a negative way with a cat. And so would the first response be to immediately step back or what other things could the pet sitter do to alleviate that situation? Absolutely. I wouldn't push the situation. In fact, even in my animal hospital, sometimes I have patients that will hiss at me when everything seems fine. You know, I'm doing, I'm doing my usual thing in my fear-free way and, and the cat hisses and the cat's just telling me, hey, Dr. Prim, that's too much. You have now crossed into the line where I feel like I'm going to have to defend myself through, you know, bodily harm, through violence. And I have to respect that and step back and I just go back to Whatever I was doing when the cat wasn't advancing, when the cat was comfortable with my handling. And I think that's good advice for your pet sitters as well, even if it means you don't handle the cat a lot or you don't see the cat a lot. You have to respect what the cat is telling you. You, you mentioned fear-free in the fear-free way that you are in your vet clinic. Um, you're a huge advocate for that. Uh, could you tell us more about that and how pet sitters could get involved or get certified? Absolutely. I am a huge believer. In fact, I am the world's first fear-free certified professional. And um, as a veterinarian, that was very, very important to me. They now have certification programs for trainers and groomers and other professionals. And the website where a lot of your information that pet sitters might find useful is called fearfreehappyhomes.com. There are handouts and videos to watch, a great video to watch about what are the language of the cat when a cat is fearful. It's there. I mean, your pet sitters could train themselves and educate themselves, and it's free. So that is an excellent resource. What are a few distinguishing features of a fear-free interaction with a pet 
as opposed to how people may normally interact with them? Well, I can speak mostly just from a veterinary hospital standpoint. In the olden days, before I was fear-free, you know, we just kind of said, all right, we've got to do this. We've got to do these vaccines. We've got to do this exam, whatever it was. We just got to do it. And we might put on leather gloves or, I mean, we, we would just, we did not respect the fact that the pet was telling us, I think you're going to kill me. And obviously that's not what we want. We want animals to know that they're getting care and they, we want them to trust us. So now there aren't leather gloves in my hospital and we respect when the, the animal advances in fear and starts giving me those signals, I change my tactics. And I often do examinations in a window perch instead of on an exam table or in a hiding box with the lid pulled off where I can just slip my, uh, my stethoscope inside and listen to hearts and, and the cat feels less threatened. And that works really well for me. So it's really about, as you've mentioned a couple of times, that, that respect that you have for the animal so that you build trust over time so that it doesn't become a huge ordeal and a big fight each and every time, but listening to how they're communicating. Absolutely. I would, I would say it should never become a fight. Now, I'm sure there are some pet sitters out there that, that hear that and go, that's great and all, but the client only booked me for 30 minutes or for a 15-minute drop-in. How can that be adapted for kind of short time periods for somebody who's dealing with a cat that may be showing some of those aggressive signs and not really wanting to interact? Well, it depends on what the pet owner expects you to do. If they just want you to check in on the cat, feed the cat, um, that you could do that without confronting the cat, without escalating the situation. If you've got to do something to the cat, then that's a, a different thing entirely. And I would encourage pet sitters that feel like they are not safe to communicate that with the pet owner so that they can then talk to their veterinarian because we certainly have products and medications and things that we can recommend to help make that better. No one wants their pet sitter to be afraid. So over the past several years, you know, since you've been, been a vet, what would you say has been the biggest change in our understanding of cats and their care? Oh gosh, the way I see cats is completely different. There's not one thing. Um, I've always really, really liked cats, but um, I, I guess respecting what the cat is telling me is is maybe a big thing. Maybe realizing that people expect cats to act and behave like dogs, and they don't. Appreciating cats because they're cats, and and respecting that um, really allows you to see how cool they are. <laughs> yeah. And get to know their individual personalities over time too, instead of trying to force them into a box that you expect them to act and behave. Forcing them into a dog-shaped box. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But cats are so individual and so intelligent. And, and I, I don't think I really knew that until I was further along how extremely smart they really are and how they're always watching us. So, you know, you just got to kind of admire them. So if there's a pet sitter that is taking on their first client that has a cat, what should they be asking the owner that, about the care of that cat that may be different than a dog client? Well, certainly you would want to have the little list, just like you would have for a dog. Um, what she eats, you know, uh, does she drink a lot of water? Does she use a litter box? Does she routinely you know, miss the litter box or does she choose to not use a litter box? Is that going to be a warning sign or is that kind of something that she does 
very, very important, especially if a cat is overweight, to make sure the cat is actually eating because cats can suffer from a disease process called hepatic lipidosis. And if the cat is overweight and then the owner goes out of town, for example, and the cat just completely fasts, it could become a life-threatening situation. So I would encourage all pet sitters to be sure that they're kind of measuring and paying attention if that cat is not eating at all. Yeah, I, I recommend and something that we do as pet sitters when we go over for cats is we'll fill the food bowl and then we'll actually take a picture of it before we leave so that when we come back, we have something to compare to to see exactly how much has been eaten, if any at all. There are a lot of cat products out there. I'm sure you've noticed that there's kind of been an explosion of things that people can buy for their cats. And as pet sitters, we interact with owners that are always buying more or maybe asking for recommendations. Are there any that we as pet sitters can steer them away from and and recommend that they, they not bring into their home? Gosh, I don't know about not, but I've got some favorites that I would suggest recommending. There are some really cool things that are like puzzle toys that require a cat to think and move. And that is a lot more physiological for a cat because they aren't grazing animals. They don't, they don't stand on a pasture and just eat all day long. So I love those, the puzzle toys. And if, if an owner had trained their cat to eat from a puzzle toy or one of the little bowls that looks like a mouse and then you wind it up and, it, and they have to apprehend it, if, if that was in place before you as the pet sitter came in, then it would be easier for you. Every, everything would seem normal to that cat. So I think that would be a really good thing. We've talked a little bit about some aggression in cats and how that can come out. And you did mention that one of the first things that a cat does is, is hide. And so they can, tend to be shy to new things or changes. What are some ways that we as pet sitters can better connect with them when we're doing our visits and taking care of them? Well, I use a product called Feel Away. It is a pheromone that is synthetically created. It's the same thing that, you know how cats like rub their faces on you or butt you with their head. It's that pheromone that they spread onto objects that they feel are safe. So if you can spray some feel away on your clothing before you go to take care of a cat, there is a chance that the cat will see you as a safe person, as someone that has already been marked, checked out, and certified as safe. It doesn't work 100% in every cat, but I certainly spray it on myself every day, twice a day in my animal hospital. And for those that it works, it makes a pretty dramatic difference. That's good to know about because a lot of times you may, as a pet sir, not know where you to even start. And this is like showing that there's preparation you can do before you even get into the door that can set you up for success. Yes, and it's not expensive. So it's certainly worth your while to investigate. There are also some products that you could suggest a pet owner feed. Um, There's one called Zilkeen that is a calming product. They would need to start feeding it before they left on their trip. It wouldn't work immediately, maybe a couple weeks before, but it is affordable and available just over the counter and cats really like it. That is something that as you are approaching your pet sitting job, you might suggest for pet owners to implement. Uh, You're pretty well known for your Ask a Vet segments on iHeartDogs and iHeartCats. So I thought we could kind of do a a speed round or bring up some common questions that I hear from pet sitters uh, that come up uh, probably more frequently than they should. 
Okay, I'll do my best. Uh, so again, these are these are questions or comments that I've seen uh, on pet sitter forums and or have heard directly from them in the area. Do I really need to scoop the cat litter every day? Well, I think that that would depend on your pet owner um, and your cat, very individual. However, I would kind of say yes, because you don't want to discourage the cat from feeling comfortable using the box because it's already a stressful situation with the owner gone and you don't want to create bad habits that linger long after you're gone. So I would say yes, absolutely. I've heard it's important to change a cat's water frequently. Why is that? Well, some cats like to drink out of the faucet. And um, my cat and dog have a fountain bowl because they they seem to like the fresh water. Um, I think that it's because a cat can, that water seems stagnant to a cat and they instinctively know that fresh and flowing water is more likely to be safe. So yes, I, I love the idea of fountain bowls and changing the water frequently. So yes. Why does the cat that I'm caring for want to play one minute and then is biting and scratching my hand like crazy the next? Well, that's an individual cat thing. Um, some people believe that um, if a kitten has not been socialized correctly, like maybe it was uh, weaned too young or orphaned or something, that they never learn their bite inhibition and they never learn how to interact socially with other cats or maybe even with people. So it might be that the cat really doesn't mean to be to be bitey or her, her hurtful, but um, doesn't have that inhibition because of the way it was socialized as a kitten. I think following up with that, why does my cat randomly seem to attack my leg as I walk through the house? Well, when I was in veterinary school, I had a cat named Merlin and I wrote a whole chapter in my book about him because um, he would stalk my roommate. And whenever she walked down the hall, he would wait under the couch to grab her legs or her feet and she would squeal and they would both run. And I think he just (laughs) thought that was really fun. I mean, he just seemed to really work for that squeal. Oh. <laughs> well, you mentioned earlier too, they are these little predators. And so that kind of is a behavior and action that they can act out and play with. Absolutely. We, we underestimate their needs, their physical needs. Another question was, can I just let it outside? It's a tiny predator anyway. No, (laughs) you should follow the instructions of the pet owner for sure. Uh Uh, I think that would be, I think if you let someone's indoor only cat outside, that would be a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. Um, But keeping cats indoors is, is very much more safe for them because of the things that outside that can hurt them. But if we're going to keep cats strictly indoors, we have to meet their mental and physical needs. Things like things to climb on, vertical spaces, encouraging activity, the things I talked about, puzzle bowls and activity toys and that kind of stuff. That's kind of our responsibility to that cat. And then I talked about this a little bit earlier, but a a common thing that comes up is it's a cat. So I don't need to be with it any longer than 15 minutes or so, right? Well, I guess that depends on the pet owner as well and how much the cat is interacting with you. A lot of people believe that cats should have an interactive playtime right before they eat that they can kind of count on. So if that is something that you could implement when you were there and the cat would interact with you, again, not forcing yourself on the cat, I think it's very positive for the cat that he he or she gets to think and move before eating. As we kind of close out here, you had several recommendations for products and things like that. But um, what are some resources that you'd recommend for 
pet sitters who are interested in learning more about proper cat care? Well, as I mentioned, Fear Free Happy Homes is an amazing resource. There is actually a website um, called catvets.org for um, the American Association of Feline Practitioners, which obviously I'm a member of. There are some pet owner-facing references, their resources and such. Um, the AVMA also has some things. There, It's out there. You just have to Google it and be interested enough to read it. It takes a little bit of time, but it can really pay off in the long haul. And of course, my Ask a Vet articles that I've done for iHeartCats, I've talked about everything. Why, why does my cat bite me? I mean, everything that we can think of, I have written. So certainly utilize that as a resource as well. Right. We've gone through just some highlights of cat care, but there is obviously a ton more out there. And so for people who are interested in using you as a resource, how can they reach out, follow up and, and, and seek out some of the work that you've done? Well, you can Google me, but um, the the fastest way probably I'm on Facebook, Catherine Prim DVM, um, and all, a lot of the social media. Also, Pet Life Radio is the platform upon which my podcast launches, and it's Nine Lives with Doctor Cat. I also have a dog show called uh, Doctor Cat Gone to the Dogs. All of my episodes are peer-reviewed, um, good information, not just trendy information, but good information. So um, I seek out people that are well-qualified to discuss issues. And we talk about nutrition and entertainment and toys and books about cats and cool places to go if you like cats. So I would encourage everyone to, to check that out. It's amazing show and just a crazy amount of resources and a wonderful place to begin if you've never thought about this or have no idea you know, what you're even looking into. It's, it's a really good place with a lot of really good information. Uh, Dr. Kat, I wanted to thank you for coming on today and, and taking time out of your busy day. I really appreciate it. And, and I, I wish you all the best. Oh, well, it's my pleasure to be here. I love spreading word about cats. Dr. Kat's resources for both cats and her dog resources are amazing ones. And I definitely encourage you to go check those out, especially if you've never cared for cats before, or maybe you have one upcoming soon and you're trying to get prepared for it. It's a plethora of information on her podcast, on her blog, on her website. And I'll have links to those and many more in the show notes and on our website so you can click on those and go find them. You can also sign up for our weekly newsletter on our website. Our newsletter contains in-depth links and show notes for each of our episodes, as well as some writings on what's going on in the pet care industry and Megan's and my thoughts on that. We love hearing from you, so check us out on Facebook and Instagram, Petsitter Confessional, and our website is PetsitterConfessional.com. You can also email us at feedback at PetsitterConfessional.com. Let us know how you're doing, and we'd love to help share your story. <laughs> 